Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 11 of the No Look Pass podcast presented to you by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, a.k.a. my mom's favorite son, who still thinks Tyler Honeycutt will be an NBA rotation player. And I have my co-host with me today, Andy Flint. Flint Mo, what's good? I got to give a big shout-out to O.J. Mayo. Not for, not for, not for, not for beating the Golden State Warriors, but for getting a haircut. It's about time, O.J. I don't know when this happened, but I haven't seen him since his hair was chopped. It looks great. Yeah, long overdue. Uh, O.J. Mayo actually is a starting NBA point guard in today's NBA. I have no idea how that happens. But apparently he's better than Mark Carl Williams, which, uh, I mean, I think everybody agrees with that. So we are going to get into our show today. As usual, we will start with our segment, While You're Watching TNT, as we start every show. And then we're going to do a little freestyle Sunday. We have a couple of, uh, couple of topics we wanted to tackle, including the Warriors winning streak, which we finally have to get to now that it's unfortunately over. And we we saw an interesting story that we wanted to touch on about maybe uh, the best team in the Eastern Conference not being the Cleveland Cavaliers, sort of. But we are going to start. We'll get to that in a little bit. While you were watching TNT, we were watching Andy Flint's Orlando Magic. So I am going to attempt to stop Andy from having a full-blown fangasm on on the uh, radio here. And Andy Flint, just, just tell me straight up, how many Orlando Magic games did you watch? And what were your impressions? Uh, I watched two and a half. Yeah, it was about about half of the third one. I I kind of. I think I know which one. I I think I know which half the half game that you watched. Yeah, I had to use one of my lives in contra. Good thing I have a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, to let people know, the Orlando Magic ended a West Coast road trip, so they were at Denver, which was a win, at Phoenix, which was a loss. So they ended up going three and two on their West Coast road trip. And then the last game, so they went 1-1-1. One, one, and one. They had a win, a loss, and then they got a LeBron. They got LeBron against the Cavs because LeBron just came in there and just totally wiped the floor with them in like one half, and the game was just over. So the NLP, the No Look Pass podcast curse continues. I don't think we've had a team over 500 in quite a while, Andy, since we've been doing this. And uh, what are your impressions of your Orlando Magic? Let's hear it. I know you've probably seen more than just the games that you watched this week, so go ahead. And yeah, I mean, you see, let me, let me tackle the curse real quick, and we are – like the Madden curse around here. You know, I think we've kind of done it to ourselves here. We talk about the the end of the road trip there where they, they started off, you know, pretty well. They lost to the Clippers. Um, the Nuggets game was actually pretty interesting because that game Orlando went like 15 three-point attempts before they finally made one. And they managed to win that game only making like one three or two threes. Um, they made one three and it was like towards, it was towards the end of the, the game. End. I think they made it with yeah, like it was, two and a half. It was Evan Fournier. Fournier knocked them down. Yeah. yeah it wasn't even a good look too. They no, were missing no, good looks all night. I noticed Evan Fournier doesn't take a lot of good looks. He just sort of uh, no, he's, he pulls up. He's that, that's his problem. Like, the difference between him and, like, being a, a really steady good player is just the the basketball IQ. But, anyways, I mean, I I think there's some good things to be had here. The Phoenix game was close. And, actually, Orlando had, like, four opportunities at the end of that game, and they couldn't close it out. Uh, Peyton turned over the ball. Like, just things like that. It's just dumb things at the end of the game. The Cleveland game is just – I mean, it's one of those things where you have one team who's kind of gassed, and then you have one team who's better anyways. But then, like you mentioned, LeBron just goes nuts. And that exposes a huge problem for Orlando. They can't guard the three. They're going to struggle every time they play, you know, an above-average player at the three. They have nobody there for defense. Most of the time, they're not even playing a small forward at the small forward position. They'll have Tobias out there, but he's at the four. You know, you'll get a guy, somebody like a Vic, maybe guarding the four, or, I mean, the three, rather, excuse me, or even a Fournier. I mean, it, it's 
Aaron Gordon is, is kind of there defensively, but he's not a guy who's going to stop a LeBron. Um, positives for the Magic, I think Andrew Nicholson has been a, a real – I never thought I'd say this in a million years. I was calling for his head two years ago. But, I mean, <laughs> over over the – I mean, the games we watched this week alone, I mean, nothing eye-popping, but, you know, a guy comes in and, and can play 20 minutes a game and give you uh, – against Denver, he had eight, eight points, 14 rebounds. He was taking the ball from kind of three. He's long. He plays good team defense. And he's a player they've developed, so I think that's always nice when you can develop a guy. But Victor Oladipo currently killing me. I don't know what this guy's deal is. And they just they're, they're not <laughs> so able me... they're not able to close games. They can't close. They're still young. They play good defense, and then they just they can't finish a game against a team that has you know a lot of experience or a team like that has players like Brandon Knight, and Eric Bledsoe, LeBron James, etc. These star players hurt them late in games. Yeah, absolutely. So let me just – my quick anecdote about uh, Andrew Nicholson is that since the day that Andrew Nicholson and Mo Harkless have entered the league and they were on the same team, I cannot tell them apart to this day. I always think Andrew Nicholson is on the Trailblazers now and that Mo Harkless is still playing for the Magic, and I kept confusing it the whole time. I confuse it every time I watch either one of those games. I'm like, is that Andrew Nicholson or Mo Harkless? I have no idea why, but I just confuse those two players all the time. You live far too uh, close to St. Bonaventure to make that confusion. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Shout out to Bonnie. So have your head. But I, I realized that the, the Orlando Magic are like a hot girl with low self-esteem picking out friends. You know, it's just the uglier the better. They just want they just want to muck up the game. You know, they just want to make the, it just like a grit and grind East Coast version. They sort of remind me a little bit of the Grizzlies, the way they play defense, because they are they are a very intense defensive team. And I don't think I've seen a team, like, take on the personality of their coach quicker than, than this Orlando Magic team. Sure. Like, this Magic team just screams Scott Skiles to me. And I have a question. I have a serious question for you. When do you think the last time Scott Skiles smiled? Like, do you think he smiled when his kids were born? I don't, know if he, I don't even know if he has children, but I'm going to assume think, that that was probably the last time. I think when your face is, like, is clean, including your head, because he has no face hair, it doesn't look like he has eyebrows, I think it, it hurts you to smile too much because you'll see the cracks. I just, he can't do it. Yeah, so, like, I think he has, like, the male version of, of resting bitch face. Like, you know, they say that about, about women. I think he has just, like, resting grumpy old man face. Like, that's just the way he looks all the time, and he's just never going to stop. So I was actually really impressed when, when I watched Even though they went one and two, I didn't catch much of the Caps game because I was going to catch it, and then by the time I went to turn my TV on, it was already over. So it was just and there was a bunch of other good games on, so I just sort of didn't do it. But I caught both ends of the back-to-back at Denver, and I always maybe I put too much stock into this, but I always find it very impressive when anybody goes into Denver and, and wins, especially like late in a road trip just because of the altitude. Maybe I put too much into that, but I feel like when a team just goes in, and, and Denver I feel like has one of the best home, home court advantages because of the altitude, when they go in and – I mean, Orlando pretty controlled most of that game, um, and they really played well in that game, and I, and I thought that was a very impressive win. But I was actually more impressed with the Phoenix game because – the Suns are probably the only team not named the Warriors that you would want to see on the second half of a back-to-back. I mean, they're like the worst team because they're just for running sure. it up and down, and they have all these quick guys, and they're always going to be in transition, and you just played last night in Denver. So that that's an easy schedule loss for you where you can just be like, ah, you know, we just didn't have the energy coach. I don't know what to tell you. But And they got down double digits in that game, but they just would not would not go away. You know, Well, they, they, were were down, just, they were down seven or eight at the half to Denver, too. Yeah, yeah, and that the seven-point margin was actually the magic number with the Suns game. It was just they would they were down like fifteen, and then they got it like to seven, and then they were just couldn't get past seven, 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 and then at the end of the third quarter, 
they had like this, you know, they had like a nice little spurt. And I actually believe they either tied the game or were only down by two at the end of the third. And the fourth quarter was, it was just a very competitive game. And I just thought this was, I was watching it and I was like, this is very impressive, especially for a young team on the second half of a back-to-back. Like it's just an easy game to throw away. And I was impressed that they sort of had the fortitude to not do that. So even though they lost, I was very impressed with that game. I think the main question that, that I have about this team is the rebuild is complete. Like, is this a core or are they missing somebody? Uh, because I have yeah. some thoughts about this and I was wondering what you think. I think yes to both questions you asked. I think they do have a core, but I, I, I'm almost certain that it's still missing its most important piece. I mean, call me crazy, but I, I, I do like pretty much most of the players who are getting minutes on the magic right now. I, I do like right. and I do think have a future in a rotation. But I just don't know. I Oladipo is like regressed this season. Uh Vucevic mm-hmm. I think is what he is. He's a he's a small double double guy. Um Tobias is a is a nice maybe second scoring piece and Peyton Peyton's the X factor because Peyton could be Peyton could kind of top out at what he is right now because he still doesn't really have a crazy reliable jumper, although some nights it looks good. But he's yeah, he's much more confident if, this season. I've noticed that. Oh, he's a, a very confident, confident player. In game. Yeah. Well, he gets to where he wants. You notice late in that Denver game, actually, there was one moment to me that Jameer Nelson was getting a lot of minutes this night, which is crazy because the last time Orlando had won in Denver was when Jameer Nelson was on the team in 09. So he was there for both yes. of these. But Peyton, like, Nelson had hit a three a couple possessions later. Peyton, you know, blows into Nelson in the paint, knocks him over, Nelson trying to get the charge, and he, like, loses the ball, catches it in midair, and then scores the basket. And it was, like, his third third consecutive layup. And I was just like, you know, he's doing whatever he wants. Granted, Jameer Nelson was guarding him, and we, we know from being Magic fans, myself and whoever else is out there, that Jameer Nelson was never a strong defender. But, you know, I, I do think Not really his suit. Not I do really think Peyton, maybe, Peyton may eventually be the, the best player on this team. But right now, I'm just not sure. But I do think they have a core. I think they've done a good job at uh, uh, getting a core. The most interesting question is, what what difference would this team have had if they would have landed Paul Millsap in the offseason and then not retained Tobias Harris? Yeah, well, I mean, there's about 28 other teams in the league that are kicking themselves for not pursuing Paul Millsap even further. But I agree, Paul Millsap is a perfect fit for this team. And I think another name that might be a perfect fit for this team um, is, a, is an old friend uh, who is uh, potentially on the trade market, Ryan Anderson. So I would be interested <laughs> to see if, if they make a play for him. Um, but I said that my too. question about the yeah, my question about the rebuild is I think the elephant in the room watching this team, and I think this has been discussed by by other people, and, and I think the question is can Alfred Payton and Victor Oladipo play together long term? Because they both offensively, you know, apparently Victor Oladipo can't. He doesn't hit threes anymore. He's just not a three point shooter. And, I mean, I thought, you know, early in his career, he, he was sort of, you know, ascending to being, you know, a quality three-point shooter. Maybe not a prolific three-point shooter, but a guy that can you can actually stretch the floor with him and you have to guard him at the three. Um, but if they can't do that because they're so good defensively together, I mean, it was fascinating watching Oladipo and Peyton against Bledsoe and Knight. I mean, that was just a great a great watch for me. Like, if you're, like if you're an NBA nerd and you're, you're not into, like, maybe dunks and stuff, but you're just, like, into just gritty – defense and, like, just guys, like, getting down and getting down in the stance. I mean, I thought Payne and Oladipo versus Bledsoe and Knight was a, a great game to watch that. Um, but if they can't play together because offensively they just – neither one of them can spread the floor because Payton can't really – I mean, he's sort of trying to hit the three, but, again, he's not to the point where you have to guard him at the three. You just sort of let him take those open threes. And that really hurts Vucevic because now he does not have as much space. 
Um, so if they can't play together, I, I don't know who you get rid of. I don't know who ends up well, on the uh, back end of that. Let me make this easy for you without it being easy for me. The easy answer is Victor Oladipo because you can't be a shooting guard when you're shooting 39% from the field and 25% from deep. It just You're talking, I mean, you, you were addressing his three-point shooting. He came into the league with the reputation of this guy doesn't have a good jump shot. His first right. season and his second season, he was kind of proving people wrong. I mean, 32% from deep for his career, taking about three, a little over three a game isn't half bad, but now when you're taking four a game and you're shooting 25%, you, you know, you can't make the yeah. same, you can't take one more three a game but make the same amount you already were. Not at the shooting guard position. I mean, you just you can't, and you're not going to win that way. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think the Victor Oladipo regression is, is a real, I mean, I don't know how much of a real thing it is, you know what I mean? I, I think he is a talented enough guy, and, and I think he's a guy that will come, like, he doesn't seem like the kind of player to me just, you know, him coming out of college and, you know, I did a lot of the studying on him just because I really liked him and I wanted to, like, know if I was right in really, you know, being on the Victor Oladipo bandwagon. He just seems like a guy that wants to win, so I don't see him as a guy that's coming off the bench, you know, begrudgingly. I, I almost see him like, okay, this is the best thing for the team, and, I'm, you know, he, he probably knows that he's struggling. It's not a secret. Well, I mean, he's, he's, he's like getting, like, 30 minutes a game critic. off the bench. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean he's, he's yeah. still getting I a lot of minutes. Really get yeah, I never really get the whole thing about wanting to start. Like, I would rather finish games if I were a player. I don't really – who cares about really starting? You know what I mean? The, the, the great, the great ones really will accept starting. it. Yeah, I mean – but um, I, I we'll close on the magic here in a little – you know, the closing question I think is – I mean, maybe the, the biggest question is, do you think this team is a playoff team this year? Because they've been rebuilding for about three years with this core, you know, two to three years, let's say. And they're sort of like – this is the first year where they're actually in contention. You know, the other years they were just yeah. sort of like rebuilding, losing close games. But this is the first year that we're actually seeing wins coming out of this rebuilding process. So do you, do you think they're, they're a playoff team? You know, I, I said it before the season. I think I'm going to stick with it. I don't think they'll make the playoffs. I do, however, think that this team that they have currently probably would have made the playoffs on the trail in the last few years. But I just think the East has gotten too competitive. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets are in 14th place and they're eight and a half games out of first place. <laughs> the wow. 11th seed and better is only five games out of first place. I mean, that's the Wizards of the 11th seed at 10 and 10 and 12. So, I mean, it's it's such a close race that I just – I'm looking at the teams ahead of Orlando who currently sits – it's funny, when we started watching this, Orlando was in like sixth place in the playoffs, and now they're in 10th place. <laughs> they were. So, it's yeah, – I mean, in it, three games, it's just no close. Podcast. Yeah, it's a real thing. I'm telling you, we're, we're going to go down in history. <laughs> All right, I, I agree. I think they're they're going to be that ninth, tenth seed, you know. But playing meaningful games in April is is, is going to be good for this team, regardless of whether they sure. make it or not. So I think it's going to be a valuable experience. All right, we are going to move on. Uh, but before we move into our next segment, we're also brought to you by sports-kings.com, where you can find all the latest breaking news, videos, and gossip in the sports world. Visit sports-kings.com/slash-pass-the-pill specifically to find all your hoops needs. Again, that's sports-kings.com. Okay, so we have done. I think we. You know, in the first episode, we told you there's more than six teams in the league, and we want to show love to the whole league, and we don't want to be one of these podcasts that's just like, whoa, how about LeBron and those Cavs every week? So I think we, we, we humbly, I, I think that we've done a good job. I mean, what other show will you do with the Orlando Magic for 15 minutes? Uh, no offense, Lynn. But uh, <laughs> we can't deny that there, there, was, there was a team that went 24 straight wins to start off the season, and that is, of course, as you well know, the Golden State Warriors. Um, now that the streak has ended, I, I think I, I just want to recap it, you know, just get your thoughts on it, Andy. Like, how, how impressive do you think it is? 
Do you think it's something that we might see again? And, you know, just how do you think it happened? Anything. I just want to touch on the streak a little bit. In regards to the, the streak, the Mil- Milwaukee Bucks fans were kind of wiling out last night with their 24-1 and one shirts on, but congratulations <laughs> on uh, you winning like most – uh, sports fans don't win when they get tattoos of their team winning the Super Bowl. You know, the, the, tw- the 24 game streak is amazing, Frank. And I, I don't know. It's going to be a long time before we see it again. They played with fire. I, I just, that team is exceptional. I still think they're the best team in the league, obviously. And, and you know, I, I it, we're really going to enjoy this in a few years, looking back. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think the internet. Uh, you know, usually the internet is, is sort of like this thing where we don't appreciate anything. I think the internet and and basketball fans in general did a good job appreciating it while it was happening too. I think everybody realized like this is amazing. What they're doing is is really really cool. Um, you know, they and still like Steph Curry. Yeah, and sometimes like when these things are happening, people are like, you know, and there was a little murmur of this, like, oh well, they haven't played San Antonio and Cleveland, so like how impressive <laughs> is this really? But you know, and, and, you know, that was just sort of like an aside, and I don't think people like tried to really take away from the streak in that sense. But the one thing I did find out about the streak is after they lost, I found out that nothing anymore is immune to the meme, the the Jordan crying meme for one, but just oh, in general, man. like. If if you suffer any any sort of defeat, you will be memed to death, and and I mean I kind of actually kind of love it, but you know I, I, it's just something that I realized like once they lost, I thought oh maybe people are just going to be like oh you know start remembering like how great it was and all this stuff, but instead it was just like oh let's just put Jordan's crying face right on Steph Curry and 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 that's how we're gonna that's how we're gonna deal with this ending, um, but the one thing that I noticed about the streak is I actually found myself rooting for the Warriors. I didn't want the streak to end, you know, and, and I was curious how other people felt about it. And, you know, I we did a little poll on our Twitter account. We only had, like, maybe 20, 25 votes, but it was, like, 80, 20. You know, people did not want the streak to end, and I think that's a, a sentiment to how enjoyable the Warriors team is, um, but also it's, you know, a sentiment to, to people appreciating history. But I also – I really do think it's more about the Warriors because I get the feeling, like, if if this was, like, a LeBron James-led team, People would be like, no, it wasn't that good. We wanted to end because, like, there's just LeBron haters all over the place. And, you know, I, and I really think it's the Warriors specifically. And like you said, I think it's Steph Curry. People love watching Steph Curry for, for legitimate reasons. And, you know, I, I really think that the streak was incredibly impressive. And I don't think you can – I almost don't think you can understate, like, how amazing it was. Yeah, no, it, it was. And, yeah, the fee, I was thinking the same thing as what you were just saying is if it were if it were the Cavs or something or the Heat – the last few years when LeBron was there, people would have hated it. They would have, you know, they would have been voting for, rooting for LeBron to lose. I mean, Curry's a likable guy. I just think it's he's he's still in the good graces of the people. KD, however, is starting to fall out of that. People hate him all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, you know, and KD's sort of done it to himself in the sense that he's very, yeah, he's very anti-media now. I mean, KD used to just be like this really likable, like nice, quiet guy, but now it seems like every chance Kevin Durant gets, he's just gonna like throw a little little dig at the media. Uh, I think part of that is just him really trying to, like, cement his relationship with Russell Westbrook because the media just kills Westbrook for for probably too much. I I mean, I think that's safe to say. I think Westbrook is probably mistreated more than anybody, any other player in the league. And I I think that's, like, Durant's way of, like, bonding with him. And he's like, yeah, they don't like you, and I don't like them, Russell. So how about that? Let's go have a coffee or 
have breakfast and talk about how the rest of the media sucks our together. Coffee. And Westbrook's like, what? I don't have coffee, bro. I don't, I don't, I don't do that. I'm Russell Westbrook. We don't, we don't, we don't do that around here. I don't, I don't picture Russell Westbrook as a coffee guy. He's, he's just like, I don't, I don't eat, I don't need caffeine. I have enough energy as is. Yeah, but he's, he's but, dressed like he ordered something super specific at Starbucks. <laughs> that, that's that's a good point. All right, do you have any more thoughts about the Warriors streak? Because we're going to move on really quick to a story that that I want to talk. I mean, about I did I did really quick want to just I did want to say something about last night too because people aren't seeming to give the fact that the Bucks played really tremendous defense any credit. You're talking a Golden State team who's averaging 115 points a game, only scored 95. That's a 20 point swing. Um, they they shot well under. You know, they they made six threes compared to the 13 they regularly make and things of that nature. They right. shot like 22% and, or 24% instead of 42% from deep. These things mattered. They looked gassed. End of story. I, yeah, I won't make any more excuses. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that is just legs. You know, you're just not having legs that can have a backpack coming off double overtime. And um, I think the one thing I wanted to, to point out, and I think somebody that deserves credit for that win, was uh, Greg Monroe was eating Draymond Green alive in the fourth quarter. And I think a part of that is also legs and Draymond just not having the energy. But it's, it's worth noting that Greg Monroe was eating Draymond Green alive. So well, they attacked him. Jason, Jason Kidd's game plan was attacking them in the post, I felt like. And it was probably yeah, something to do with absolutely. the fact that they were tired and an adjustment because they did have tired legs. They weren't making the jump shots, and he put the knife in them. Yeah, that was def- that was definitely the plan. I, I thought the same thing, and and it, it worked apparently. So speaking of the the fact that the Warriors were coming off the second half of a back to back, the first half of that back to back was uh, maybe the best regular season game of the season thus far, and that was against the Boston Celtics in Boston. Double overtime, Warriors pull it out to continue the streak. There was a lot of drama. The Garden was lit. Tommy Eisenhorn was in rare form, just brutalizing the officials, and. So we wanted to talk about the Boston Celtics a little bit, a team that we've already covered. Um, but there was a story that came out on ESPN, I think it was some sort of ESPN power ranking, where they called the Boston Celtics um, basically the second-best team in the East besides from the Cavs. And really quick, Andy, what do you what do you think of this? Do you Because this, the Celtics, I mean, especially coming off that game against the Warriors, I think a lot of people are impressed with them, and I think they're really – Maybe that game puts them on the map as like you know somebody a team we have to look out for. So what what do you think about the Celtics as the second best team in the East? Yeah, it, I mean it's the it was the ESPN uh, BPI, and you know I I think Boston's a good team, and we talked about this a little before. I think they currently sit six, which is like I said where the Magic sat three games ago in Boston. I I don't even I don't remember where Boston was sitting at that point. I mean, they've they've won seven of three, but I think that the one point was is it was the night before Boston played the Bulls, and they talked about the differentials and the records and how, you know, Boston was the underdog, but in reality, Boston is playing the second-best basketball in the East besides the Cavaliers, and, you know, they were talking to that thing. I think a lot of it ran with, like, Boston media and Boston journalism. I I mean, absolutely not. I I don't even... I don't even know that I could say with a straight face Boston's a top five team in the East. I, I just don't. It's a little oh, wow. early. They could could they be? Do you think Boston? Do you think they are right now? Apparently, um, I mean it, it's tough. I mean I I certainly think that the East is just so weird. I mean it's so hard to figure out. It's like I keep saying you have the Cavaliers, which are clearly the best team. I think even even with their struggles early in the season. But once they get Kyrie back, I mean I think that I think they're clearly the best team right now. 
So once you put, sure. you know, one of the top five point guards in the league on that team, certainly they're going to be, you know, one of the best teams. And then the second to, to eighth is just a complete who knows. Um, I mean, I don't think, like, teams like the Hornets, I think, I still think they're going to come down to earth a little bit, even though I seem to be wrong about them. Maybe I'm just holding on. But I think the, the thing about the Celtics is I think the answer to the question is the Pacers, just because maybe I'm too, maybe I'm just one of those guys that just likes superstars. But I think in, in a playoff series, a team that's going to challenge the Cavs and it's going to come to the Eastern Conference Finals, depending on the seeding and everything, they don't have to meet the Cavs in the, in the meantime. It's got to be the team with Paul George because Paul George is playing like an absolute superstar. And you put the Celtics against the Pacers in a seven-game series, you bet your ass I am taking the Pacers every time just because they have the best player and they're a good defensive team. And the Celtics rely on a system. And I think once the game slows down in the half court and you get game plans and all this stuff, you know, I I just think that 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 kind of folds and you just need great players to make great plays at some point. And I think Paul George is that guy which is why the answer for me is the Pacers. But I don't think you can deny like, what the Celtics are doing. I just think they're missing they're missing a piece. You know what I mean? They need I, – I, I mean, I love that everybody on that team can shoot a three-pointer, but at some point you need somebody that can make some sort of post move and can make the game easier because I, – I don't want to sound too much like Charles Barkley because I think the Warriors – I think the problem with the Warriors is that they make everybody think that they can do what the Warriors can do. And I think traditionally Charles Barkley is right. Like jump shooting teams usually do not win championships. We just happened to see it last year. And, you know, because the Warriors get such good shots. Um, but, I mean, I think long-term you really do need a, a post-presence, especially in the postseason. So, for me, you know, I, I just I don't, I don't really buy the Celtics as the second-best team in the East. I'm sorry. Sorry. I mean, but the, the, problem, the problem with Charles Barkley is, is the NBA for him hasn't aged since the Kobe era began, and he's, he's just true. lost. Like, he's funny, and I think he has basketball knowledge, but I don't think he has enough knowledge about what's happening in, in today's game. Not, not enough knowledge to say, I know more than you who's watching the TV. I think it's, it's hard. You've got to do your work, and I just don't think he really does his work to keep up with the game enough to have some of the, the bold comments he makes. But... I mean, that's, uh, that's off uh, off topic. I think the Raptors are a really good team. Kyle Lowry's playing really good basketball. His efficiency is crazy. The Bulls are still going to be a team who's tough. Uh, you talk about the Pacers. I think you like them a little more than I do, but I do agree with the superstar qualities you mentioned. The Heat, I still think, are a team who's probably a little better than the seventh seed. I love Boston right. somewhere in there with the Hornets and probably the Pacers, the Pistons, the Hawks. I mean, the Wizards are 10 and 12. They're, you know, they were coming back. Now they're falling apart. But we have three teams right now, and none of them are the Cavs or the Bulls, who are, who are 7 and 3 over the last 10 games. That's the Raptors, the Hornets, and the Celtics. Who would have thunk that was going to happen? And I said something. Yeah, I mean, I, I think an accurate description of the Eastern Conference is that you basically just made an argument for, like, 10 teams in the Eastern Conference to be the second-best uh, team in about 30 seconds, and they were they were all the same to me. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, sure. Yeah, and I was, it was just, like, 10 different teams. So, I mean, I, I think that that was, the, uh, that was the best description of the Eastern Conference you could have. I got, I got to be honest, though. When, when I heard the Boston – when you sent me that about the Boston Celtics being the second-best team in the, in the West, in the East, I, I just threw the Russell Westbrook. I was like – What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? That that was my reaction. And then my second reaction, it was just like... The answer still no. Absolutely and unequivocally no. So, let's just say I wasn't a believer. 
But we are going to move to the end of the show as usual. We are going to give you our fantasy segment. We are probably going to do a speed edition of it because we don't have much time. Uh, fantasy stud and scrub, we're going to tell you the best and worst fantasy player of the week. So, Andy Flynn, who is your fantasy stud? My fantasy stud is one Wesley Matthews of the Dallas Mavericks. She's making five threes a game over the last week, shooting ten and a half. Good job, Wes. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I mean, uh, Dallas been waiting for Wesley Matthews to, to show up with the horrific injury. I'm glad he's he's doing good. Um, fantasy stud for me, Draymond Green. Um, anytime you have a, a five by five game, something that only ten other players have done in modern NBA history, you get the nod from me. Uh, Twenty eight points, ten rebounds, eight assists, five steals, five blocks, and he even threw five fouls in there just for the hell of it. You call it a six by five. Your weekly reminder that Royce White was drafted 19 spots ahead of Draymond Green. Nice job, Daryl Morris. Uh, fantasy scrub, Andy Flint. Uh, I feel like we're going to be doing this every week. I'm back to Victor Oladipo, turning in another seven <laughs> point per game week. Thanks, pal. Oh, the hate train, the hate train. So I, my fantasy scrub of the week, and the fact that this is a no-brainer for me is kind of why fantasy kind of sucks sometimes. One, Timothy Duncan, a, a DNP coach's decision, making for a combined 29-point daily fantasy Daily Fantasy Week, 29 points combined. That's usually good in one game. Tim Duncan, numbers don't lie. It's a good thing you don't care about numbers or what hacks have to say, what hacks like me have to say about you and that you're a Hall of Famer. So we are going to end the show with Tim Duncan. <laughs> hey, hold on. We, yeah. need, we need who's, a team to watch this week. Yeah, the Portland Trailblazers. Portland oh, Trailblazers, baby. Portland Tra- I've seen a ton of Portland Trailblazers teams, uh, games this season, and i got to tell you, I love that team. Uh, we are going to watch it, and I'm very excited. Okay, so we are going to end the show. Tune in next Sunday from 6.30 to 7 p.m. We will take on our usual journey around the NBA. Uh, We're going to be talking some Portland Trailers, apparently. So we will end this show like we do every show with the great philosopher Jason White Chocolate Williams, who once probably thought basketball is like last call at the bar. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking. And that would be a good night.